You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. How many here are original South, like original, original South? Come on, it's my people right there. Come on, remember, remember us slogging it out, no air conditioning, all that, like this is lap of luxury right here. This is awesome. Hey, as I was driving here this morning, I really felt like God say that this is a year for our South Campus to experience increased influence. And that doesn't come from the platform. That comes from you Monday through Saturday, that God is going to give you opportunity to speak about your faith and what Jesus is doing in you, where you are Monday through Saturday, and that that church is going to grow because you grow. And church is going to expand because you expand. Your whole New Year's resolution of a diet, God's going to expand you uh, in, in, a, in a different way. Uh, but God's going to increase your influence in Jesus. Father, I pray for every person here that we would walk into all that you have for us in 2018. God, I pray for our South Campus, that you would continue to lead her and guide her into all that you have for her. God, that you would increase influence of every person who calls Life South home in their workplace, in their school, in their neighborhood, that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give these guys a huge, huge hand? They're awesome. You know, 2017, I learned some stuff about myself. 42 years old, I th- I'm still learning about myself. I thought, man, when I was 17, I thought, man, when I hit 40, I'm going to know everything. Like, there's going to be nothing left to know. Like, 20 years of learning? Seriously? How much more can you learn? In tw- okay, cool. So, uh, so here's what I learned last year. I learned that I love starting stuff. I'm not so passionate about maintenance. Come on, anyone love the, the stuff? I love the new and the fresh and the new ideas. I, I love that stuff. Like 12 months ago, we moved into a home that we had renovated and we'd painted it and put new carpet in it. And we've got a couple of new couches because we're past the kids. Sorry, Carleen, block your ears. We're past the kids stage of kids putting like, like wheat bicks all over it and, and, and crayons all over it and whatever they've got in their mouth ends up on the couch. We're past that stage now. So we thought, let's buy a couple of new couches. I, I, love, I love the new. Here's what, here's what I learned. I still have to dust. I still have to vacuum. I still have to poof the cushions. I don't know why, but you have to do that, apparently. Like we bought couches and 47 cushions to go on the couches. I don't know why. Uh, I'm like, can I sit? Don't sit on that cushion. Like, what's it for then? I've got to be honest with you. When Amanda's away, I just throw the cushions off. Don't even put it back on the couch. I just rebel. That's what I do. So, so I love the new, but, but I still got my, you know, we got, a, we got a dog 10 years ago. I loved it. Well, it's not really a dog. It's like a rat with long legs. And um, I loved it when it was new and it was fluffy. And, but now it's like 10 years old. It's got like goop coming out of its eyes. I have to wipe its goop every Every day, if I don't, it gets all <coughs> kind of cakes up. and Yeah, <coughs> I, I, here's the deal. I, I love new. Maintenance, not, not so much. Uh, you know what I loved last year is when Pastor Paul got up and declared that we were going to have a year of more. I love new. I love the year of more. You know what I quickly realized? That it was more than a prophetic declaration from my pastor. It was month in, month out, me positioning myself for the more that God had for me. It wasn't just a declaration. There was things that I had to do to sit under what God had declared over my life. I realized that it's not just all God, that it's me 
and God. And I kind of knew that before last year, but it was really highlighted last year. And then I was reading uh, over one of my holidays last year, I was reading about the Golden Gate Bridge. And the Golden Gate Bridge is an amazing feat. You know what, I, if I was around, you know what I loved about the Golden Gate Bridge is the conceptual stage and the building of it. And then all of a sudden there wasn't a bridge and then there was a bridge. I love that. You know what I read? What is keeping that Golden Gate Bridge from corroding and falling into the water is not the building of it. It's the paint that is on it. And every single day of every single year, there is someone painting a part of that Golden Gate Bridge. Six times over its history, it's been completely stripped back and repainted because techno—excuse <coughs> me, because paint technology has moved forward. So they realize that there's better technology. <coughs> Excuse me. Talk to the person next to you. <laughs> Cheers. Because paint technology had moved forward, so they stripped it back and repainted. You know what? That's kind of like the Christian walk. Every single day, there's something that I need to be working on. There's something that I need to be putting focus on. There's something that I need to be moving forward. It's more than just a someone pray for me, but there are things that I can do to position myself for what God has for me. This weekend, at, next weekend at uh, Empower Weekend, Pastor Paul's going to declare what he believes over our church for this year. It's going to be a great moment that results in 11 months of me repositioning myself to sit under what God has for me. Let me read you a scripture. Because how, how do we do this? How do we, how do we continually position ourselves for what God has for it? Not manipulate and not buy. You cannot buy the grace of God. You cannot earn the grace of God. But I can certainly make decisions that position me for God's best. Look at Proverbs chapter 1. says this. These are the wise sayings of Solomon, David's son, Israel's king, written down so that we'll know how to live well and live right. Anyone want to live well and live right? Good. To understand, you're way more responsive than the 850, 40. What time is it? First service. <laughs> to understand what life means and where it is going. I don't know about you, but it's really easy for, to, to start to think, man, what, what, where's the world going? Ever heard that phrase? What is happening to the world? Where's it going? You don't have to look at Dr. Phil. You don't have to listen to Oprah. The Bible says that God has given this for us to understand what life means and where it's going. A manual for living. Anyone facing anything right now that you could do with some instruction on? Come on, you got something going on in your world that you're like, man, I wish I had a manual for that. There's a manual for everything these days. Everything you buy comes with a manual. Comes in German, comes in Dutch, comes in English. Comes in, I bought my son a Kinder Surprise. For those of you who don't want a Kinder Surprise, it's a chocolate egg with a toy in the middle. I gave him a Kinder Surprise in his stocking stuffer for Christmas. Came with a manual. There's two pieces. Click that to that. Done. Toy. Six pages. There was a manual. A manual for living. You know that God has got a manual for your marriage. He's got a manual for your finances. He's got a manual for your relational world. A manual for living. For learning what is right, just, and fair. To teach the inexperienced the ropes. You know what life will force upon you? Inexperience. There is not one stage of life that I haven't felt inexperienced in some area. In fact, the older I get, the more inexperienced I feel in a lot of areas. 
Like I remember dating. I'm like, man, I don't know how to date. I feel really inexperienced. And then just when I start to get a handle on that, I get engaged and we get married. I'm like, man, I don't know how to do marriage. I feel really inexperienced. And just when, let's face it, you never get a handle on that. Well, once, just when I, just, just when I get used to that, we have our first child and I'm inexperienced. And then I, I kind of I figure out, man, I'm getting the ropes on this parenting thing. And then the child becomes a teenager, inexperienced. And then last week, my teenager started her first week of her last year of high school. And we're having discussions like, what do I do when I finish school? Inexperienced. She goes, Dad, what do I do? Like, someone's not going to tell me what to do Monday through Friday. I'm like, yeah, you've got to live your own way. Inexperienced. And I don't know about you, but every stage of life, there is part of my world that I feel inexperienced. Because if we're moving into the things of God, life continues to move forward. You will be inexperienced in some area. I've got good news for you. There is a manual for living, even for the inexperienced. To teach our young people a grasp on reality. We need that more than ever before because there are so many false realities being forced down our throat day on, day out. There's something here also for the seasoned men and women. Still a thing or two for the experience to learn. Fresh wisdom to probe and penetrate the rhymes and reasons of wise men and wise women. Here's what I want us to get this morning. Start with God. Start with God is the first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. Start with God. You know, my whole message today is start with God. Thank you. Have a good morning. See you later. My whole message is start with God. Because I don't know about you, but life can tend to feel like a bunch of spinning plates at times. Man, I, my, my family needs some work, so I'm spinning that plate. And then I, I go over to... I go over to my career to feel like I'm crushing at work only to feel like that plate starts to wobble again. So I run back here and I spin that plate only to feel like my finances need work. So I focus on my finances and I spin that plate to feel like I'm lonely and need some friendship. So I focus on that plate and I'm spinning that plate. And if we're not careful, we can go just from spinning plate to spinning plate and feel like a game of whack-a-mole. You know that whack-a-mole thing where it pops up and you just hitting that one and then hit that one. And, and, and if, I, if I'm up on one side of the seesaw, then I'm down on the other side of the seesaw. And if I'm up on the other side. Here's the deal. I believe that there is something we can do that affects every spinning plate, that we don't have to just go spinning plate to spinning plate. But if we do this principle, start with God. It affects everything that I've got going on in my world and it helps me be a better, better version of me so that I bring me to every area of my life. If we start with God. Solomon said this. Sorry, God said to Solomon, I'll give you anything you want. Who wrote this scripture, by the way. And Solomon didn't choose riches. And he didn't choose power. But he chose wisdom. And because he chose wisdom, it said of Solomon, there was no one richer, no one more powerful, and no one wiser. It's amazing that when we get first things first, everything else seems to fall into line. And I believe if we start with God... It affects every area of our life. And all of a sudden, it's not a seesaw life, but balance comes across our life because we are the best version of us. I wasn't blessed with the gift of patience. Anyone sitting next to someone? I'm not going to ask you to confess yourself. Anyone sitting next to someone who was not blessed with the gift of patience? No, I'm the only one. No, no, it's okay, guys. Really, really. 
feel lonely, but it's okay. No problem. I got this. It's okay. I wasn't blessed with patience, but here's what I do. I love Lego. I'm coming out. I'm not hiding behind my son anymore in terms of I don't love Lego because he loves it. I love Lego. I am a proud Lego lover. And we have a match made in heaven because I like buying and building Lego. I just don't like playing with it for hours. My son hates buying it and hates building it and loves playing with it for hours. It's like a match made in heaven. So for Christmas, I bought us some Lego. (laughs) Had his name on it, but I bought us some Lego. Do you know this Lego came with a hundred and I think it was like 172 pages of instructions. 172, like in Cam Bond's day when he bought his kid Lego, the generation before us didn't have 172, but in my generation, 172 pages. Here's the deal. I kind of live under this assumption. I know what the next three pages are, so I'm just going to skip them. I'll just do them myself and I'll skip them. Come on. So I got to page 72 and it says, turn the car over and attach the red wire to the blue bit on the bottom. I'm like, awesome. Turn the car over. Uh, no blue bit. <laughs> Amanda. That's my wife. Amanda. Lego company's made a mistake. They forgot to tell me to put the blue bit in. It couldn't have been my fault. And I'm like, they messed up. So I sit there for hours counting out, man, I'm supposed to have four of those and 17 of those. And where did I go wrong? Reuben Gwynn, who's a friend of mine and a pastor in our church, came over at night. He goes, have you gone back and, and read the instructions? I'm like, aren't you in touch with your feminine side today? So, so, we, go, so we go from page 72 back to page 7 where it said, attach the blue bit. To the base of this, I had to undo from page 72 to page 7 to get the blue bit in there. Here's the thing. When we start with God, He knows what I'm going to need at page 72. So He's putting stuff in my world now that makes sense at page 72. Start with God. Jesus put it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. Me included, there's so many people that spend so much time seeking all these things, not seeking the kingdom of God. So today I want to challenge us. Would we live a year where we start with God? Uh, Question, how do I start with God? Because how many know in church we have a whole lot of great stuff that we say, but sometimes I wake up on Monday, I'm like, right, I'm going to start with God. Like, what do I do different today? I'm going to start with, like, I want to, but how do I, how do I start with God? Like, lit, like, not just relationally, but literally, how do I start with God? I think the answer to the question is found in the question itself. I start with God. I get better at starting with God relationally by getting a rhythm of starting with Him literally. I get better at starting with God relationally by getting into a rhythm of starting with Him literally. I mean, like every day. And that's my first point, every day. Start with God every day. When I get up and I begin my day with Jesus, not social media, not New Zealand Herald, not CNN or CBS or ABC or LMNOP, whatever you do, none of that. Like when I wake up, do I start the day with God? Because here's what I've learned. I am shaped by 
what I start with. So if I start with social media, I can tend to be shaped by jealousy. Oh, how come they've got better weather? And how come they get that opportunity? And how come their kids don't put stuff all over the couch? And how come they've always got a smile on their face? And how come they get a new car? And, and it can tend to, to drive me down that. If I start with the news, I'm like, man, this whole place is going to hell in a handbasket because that's happened and the weather's bad. And we've got a freaking cyclone coming. I am shaped by what I start with. Yeah, but I tried that and I didn't get anything out of it. I tried starting with the word and I I didn't feel anything. It didn't feel anything. Listen, the Holy Spirit knows what you're going to need in June and will deposit stuff now that will come out of you in June. And you go, where did that come from? It came from me starting with God in February and I got a scripture that I didn't feel like I got anything out of, but it feels real good to have it in me now because the Holy Spirit who is outside of time knows what I need for this year. Listen, worship is not a feeling that produces acts. It's an act that sometimes produces feelings. Like I love Pastor Coral's story of I went upstairs... Had to get away from the distraction. We all know you're talking about Campbell. Had to get away from the distraction. Went into my room and the Shekinah glory fell. It was like Gabriel and Michael was in the room with me. It was like the hosts of heaven were leaning over the edge of my bed and I had such a tangible. That doesn't happen every time she does that. There will be times where that happens because worship is not a feeling that produces actions. It's an act that sometimes produces fear. There were times where I have such tangible sense of God's presence in my quiet times. And then there are other times where I read the word. I'm like, I'm sure it did me good somehow. I'm sure, Lord, in your omnipotence that you're going to use that somehow. It makes no sense to me right now. But God, I give you this day. I don't tangibly feel your presence. I don't, but God, I am worshiping you. Because I'm giving you the first part of my day. We are at our house that we've just moved into. There is a veranda out the back. The veranda overlooks the backyard, which backs onto like a reserve type thing. And six o'clock, five out of seven mornings a week at six o'clock, if you come to my house, firstly, I'm going to ask you, what the heck are you doing at my house at six in the morning? But secondly, if you go out the back, you'll find Amanda sitting in a beanbag with a blanket over her, our rat with long legs sitting on top of her, her Bible and a cup of tea, spending time with Jesus. Can I tell you, our house is way better when she spent time with Jesus. (laughs) Our morning is way smoother when she spent time with Jesus. Our house is way better when I've spent time with Jesus. And we're trying to train our kids every morning. Spend some time with Jesus. I've just read this book over the holidays. It's called Mini Habits. If you want to read it, it's called Mini Habits. It's a great book. It talks about how to establish a new habit. And so many of us shoot for the stars. And when we can't get there, we miss. So he says, create a habit so small that you can't lose. So you know what our our habit is for our kids? Read one verse. Just one verse. Now, oftentimes they'll read two or three or five or a chapter, and that's a bonus. But just read one verse. And the bar's so low. Because if I say, hey, read a chapter a night, and it gets to a nine o'clock at night, and they're tired, and they, they're like, man, I can't read a whole chapter. It's nine o'clock. I can read a verse, though. 
so I can go every day meeting my goal. It's called Mini Habits. Read it. It's amazing. Uh, Mini Habits. So just read a verse. You know, we are better versions of us when we start our day with God. Whether I feel like it or not, listen to Lamentations. It says this. Lamentations says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. Do you know that God's got something fresh for you every morning? Here's the bummer. If you miss one day, you can't get what he had for you yesterday, today. Now, you don't miss out. He's still got something for you today. But you can't get yesterday's today because his mercies are new Every well, let me illustrate it like this. I went camping once. Once. <laughs> once. Uh, you know what I hate about camping is you can hear everything that's going on for eight tenths either, either side of you. And at that stage, Carolina, I feel your pain. At that stage, my kids weren't quiet when they woke up. Like they woke up and it was like a switch. They went from asleep to crazy. Like that's what happens when they, they go, they just like a switch. And at the end of the day, they flick the switch off and they're asleep again. And there is nothing in between. So I said to them, because the bakery was right next door to the campsite. And at about 4.30 in the morning, the waft of fresh croissants would flow through the campsite. And everyone would wake up hangry because of that smell of fresh croissants. So I said to the kids, hey, if you wake up and are quiet, we'll go over to the bakery and we'll be the first ones there and we'll get the hot, fresh croissants. It worked. About four days into the holiday, I said, hey, let's wake up and before we go there, we'll go down the beach and we'll look at the sunrise. And we went down the beach and checked out the sunrise. And by the time we got back, the bakery was sold out of croissants. It was like a national tragedy. I was like, I went from dad of the world to worst dad on earth. Dad, I want fresh croissants today. I'm like, but, I'm like, but I didn't even have bud back then. I had girls. Hey, hey, baby, don't worry about it. You'll have fresh croissants tomorrow. But I don't, I want them tomorrow, but I also want them today. I want my fresh croissant today. I, I don't want to miss out on my fresh croissant today. Are we like that with the things of God? God, I want what you've got for me today. I know you've got more tomorrow, but I want to start today with you because your mercies are fresh every morning. So I want today's newness. I want today's revelation. I want today's engagement with you would we start with God every day every single day start with God number two every decision start with God you're going to have a lot of decisions to make this year where do I live who do I marry crossfit or conventional paleo or vegan caffeinated or decaffeinated there'll be a lot of big like big decisions to make this year Do you know that God has got a viewpoint on every decision you've got to make? He's got wisdom for whatever it is that you're facing. My Bible says it's a manual for living. He's got wisdom for you for whatever it is, whether it's relational, financial, career. What what do I do? He's got wisdom for you. And we should start with God, not end with God. So many times I have people come into my office and I've been guilty of it myself where I make a decision and then I go, God, what do you think about it? Yeah, well, are you really asking God or are you just asking for a green stamp or a green light of approval on what you've already decided to do? Hey, you know what? If I sell everything up, I can move to Tauranga, be debt free, and I'm out of here. I had someone two weeks ago coming to my office. We've decided we're going to sell everything. We're going to move to Tauranga because I can be debt free and it's a better lifestyle. I'm like, cool. 
What do you think about it? Do you really care? Because you've already made your decision. You're just looking for someone to make you feel good about the decision you've already made. What does God think? Of, who cares what I think about? What does God think of it? Because if your kids are planted in a church and flourishing, then I'd rather be there. Now, if God, we're not saying don't move to Tauranga. If God's called you, we'll help you move to Tauranga. But the, the decision is, I start with God. I don't end with God. Jesus said this, I still have many things to tell you. But you can't handle them now. When the friend comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth and into all the truth there is. He will not draw attention to himself, but he will make sense out of what is about to happen. He will take you by the hand. I need, I need Ned, I need a Holy Spirit. Come here, Ned. I need a better looking one. Bex. <laughs> Got to have good self-confidence around here. (laughs) He will take you by the hand and he will lead you into all that the Father has. Here's what some of our relationships with the Holy Spirit look like. Oh, you've got him by the hand. But it's like this. Holy Spirit, we're going here. Holy Spirit, we're going here. What do you think about that? Holy Spirit, I've decided to do this. What do you think about that? Holy Spirit, what do you reckon about this? Whereas the Bible says he'll take you by the hand and lead you into all that he has for you. I've got a question for you. The question isn't, do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? The question is, who's in front? Because the Bible says he'll take you by the hand and lead you into all. Now, I've got to position myself. I've got to start every day by saying, Holy Spirit, you take control today. I've got to willingly give him control. But at some point, I've got to let him have control and not say, Holy Spirit, this is my decision. I just need your sign of approval. But Holy Spirit, I've got a big decision to make. I know he's not a Christian yet. But Holy Spirit, what do you think? Every day, every decision, every disagreement, would we start with God? Do you know that you're going to have some disagreements this year? You may have had a disagreement with the person you're sitting next to already this year. I don't know. You and I may have a disagreement. But here's the reality. Disagreement doesn't equal the end of relationship. It's just a disagreement. So how do I journey through a disagreement by starting with God? Here's the amazing thing. If I, if I start with God in a disagreement, I can avoid regret on the other end of the disagreement by doing this. Oh, show them. I'm going to post something on Facebook. That'll show them. And then I calm down. So I take it off Facebook but it's already been on there. Trust me, you taking it off doesn't make it disappear. Oh, show them all, unfollow them. They don't care. Here's what I've noticed. If I don't start God with if I don't start with God in every disagreement, then with the cooling of emotion comes the heating of regret. 
If I don't start with God, then when my emotions calm down, I can do things where my regret increases. Proverbs chapter 19 says this, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and it's to his glory, not God's glory, the man's glory to overlook a transgression. It is to my glory, to my benefit, to the goodness of my name, not God's name, read it, my name to overlook a transgression. You know why? Because humanity is the only creature in all of creation with the ability to overlook a transgression. We're made in God's image. In a lot of ways, we're like the animal kingdom. Chimpanzees and monkeys are really smart. Some people in here look, even no. The, in a lot of ways, we're like all of other creation, except we are made with a soul in the image, with the ability to have a relationship with our Creator. And Jesus hung on a cross to overlook some transgressions. And it's to my glory. I'll prove to you we're the only ones in creation that can overlook a transgression. After church, go to Auckland Zoo, find a tiger. Slap it in the face. I promise you what you're not going to get is Jesus said, turn the other cheek. There is nothing in all of, tra- all of creation that can overlook a transgression like mankind. Let's be a community of people that starts with God in disagreement. We're a church that is real. There's going to be disagreements. We're not afraid of disagreements. But do we go straight to emotions? Oh, show them. I'll make them. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Don't do that. You haven't got enough to go around. Some of you will get it later. (laughs) What if I was to start with God? Say, God, how do I deal with my marriage would have been a lot smoother, not from Amanda's side, from my side, the first five years, if I had learnt this one. God, that the presence of disagreement is not the absence of you. You want to be right there to guide me through it. Every day, every decision, every disagreement. Last one, every difficulty. Let's start with God in every difficulty. There's going to be tough times this year. But if I don't start with God, I end up saying in a tough time, God, where are you? Don't you love me? Because I go to a tough time like this rather than God, what do you want to do in me through this tough time? The Bible says that he can bring good out of all things. So God, I'm, I'm starting with you in this difficult time. Do you want to do something in me and through me in this moment that matures me and grows me and gets me ready for what you have for me next? Remember, God knows what he's got for you next and he's preparing you now for the next season. Proverbs says this, silver and gold are purified by fire, but God purifies hearts. Do you know that a goldsmith will put heat under a fire, cause the dross, which is a really fancy term for crap, to come to the top. And at the right time, he takes a tool and wipes away the dross, all the impurities, the imperfect. You've been through a tough time and you had a reaction. You thought, I didn't know that was still in there. And he wants to scoop it off from the top to prepare you for the next he has for you. Come on, every difficulty. Would you stand to your feet with me? I've asked the team to lead us in a song called I Surrender. And I would love for us as a church 
to say, God, this year I'm going to start with you. Every day I'm going to start with you. Every decision I'm going to start with you. Every disagreement I'm going to start with you. Every difficulty, God, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to grab a hold of this manual for living so that I can live the life you've called me to live. If you're going to make that decision, would you lift your hand and say, God, here I am. As an act of surrender, God, I'm going to start with you. If you're comfortable, lift both hands to heaven and say, God, here I am as an act of surrender to start with you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.